0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 136. At the end of the episode, I'll share chapters from Beyond Brightside. I think it's 16 17, but I forget but way more importantly, I'm here with a very special guest, Dr. Giancarlo Licata. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me. Yeah, this is great. I'm yeah. glad we can do this. This is awesome. So we were at Vital Head and Spine in Pasadena. I love this place um, because it did wonders for me. Uh, I found out about it because of my nephew. Uh, both my nephews were doing it, and they did amazing stuff for them, recovering uh, concussions from wrestling. And mm-hmm. who knows, they had probably a lot of stuff prior. Yeah. Um, and what did for my mother for my daughter so it, it's <laughs> been it's been amazing <laughs> yeah. So um you know I, I tell everyone about it i highly recommend it even this morning i was telling my neighbor about it i gave him a copy of the book and oh, I was wow. just telling him like my selling point now is telling people about my mother wow. and, Interesting. It, yeah. and that is why is number that? one because yeah. i think because everyone well one because it's so important to me you know it's like okay we knew something was going on with her we knew she was headed the wrong way from her lack of sleep, from everything else, yeah. from behavior. And so, and, and seeing where her sister is, you know, like advanced dementia. Um, so seeing that and then seeing the difference and now that she's sleeping through the night and she's sharper and feeling better and such a short amount of time yeah, too. So right. that's amazing. So that's what I was telling everyone. Yeah. When I was in yeah, Germany on like, you know, whether because a of people is like, oh, yeah, maybe they've never played soccer. Maybe they never had a car accident. Maybe they didn't have a traumatic brain injury. Right. But my whole thing is like, look, it doesn't have to be from a brain injury. Like, we all have, well, not, we don't all have poor mental health. But uh, I think poor brain health is something that a lot of people have, especially if you're getting older. It's always just been accepted. Right. You know, everyone's always like, okay, you get in your 40s and 50s, and it's going to start declining, and that's just what it is. That's, right. how, that's how it is. Right. It's like, no, it does that not have to happen. be that way. Yeah. yeah, So that's yeah. what
2: that's what I tell everyone to share that. Yeah, no, and I love to, I love to get into that because that's um, It's a big part of understanding the brain and understanding our quality of life, right? Because ultimately if our brain quality is below what what's possible for us mm-hmm. Then our quality of life is going to be low, right? Like it is probably the biggest limiting factor to almost everything else, right? Our relationship, right? right. We're, we're talking we're talking about marriages, talking about, you know, parenting, um, you know, how well we're gonna do in our career in our professional life. Like, at the end of the day, one of the biggest limiting factors is how well we can process our emotions, our social interaction, mm-hmm. our process, our just, you know, cognitive ability, I mean, it's all of it, Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's and, relevant for everybody. And I never,
1: you know, and I never considered that. I never considered the brain health part of it. Like if I had something going on, like if I had depression or if I had anxiety, like, okay, well, what's wrong with me and how, you know, it's mental weakness. For me, it was always mental weakness. I hated being mentally weak. Uh, one of the things that we worked on with me was also, or that improved greatly because of just the overall training was my impulse control. My impulse control was garbage. Right? I would tell myself not to do something. I would swear it. I would write it down. I would, And then five minutes later i'm doing it yeah, like jesus you know right it was just so upsetting i would i would, I would beat myself up but once yeah. i got to see my brain scans once i got to understand a little bit more um, you had a great talk one time with me about you know the stress levels like okay well if your resiliency is here but your stress is now here like then you it doesn't matter how much you want this thing it doesn't matter how much you tell yourself this
2: like it's not going to happen because right. it's it's above your threshold right. right right yeah no and i think um um, actually, uh, I had a conversation with a colleague of mine, and um, he basically brought up the word agency. And agency is technically a neuroscience word, and it's really the capacity for us to like choose, mm-hmm. right? Our, our ability to choose the emotion we want to experience in the moment, the ability for us to choose the behavior we want to express in the moment, um, to choose what we're going to even pay attention to, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's all those things, and so so they call that agency, and. Um, And what's interesting is that um, with concussions, sometimes the way that we're born, sometimes um, with mental, you know, like just challenges with our toxicity and and dementia begins to come back in. Like we literally start losing more and more of our internal agency. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that like we have this implicit understanding that if I'm like, I should make the right choice. right Right? like as if i had control over it and so Mm -hmm. if i'm driving my car and i can like i'm turning the steering wheel but the car is not responding i don't have agency over my car anymore Mm -hmm. right but we don't think about that about ourselves we just assume agency right yeah like with our kids sometimes our kids are having challenges and like you know they're impulsive like crazy or they're losing their, their 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 you know their 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 reactions are just so overwhelming um and we're like, is this a can't or is this a won't, mm-hmm. right? And we usually, as parents, at least I, you know, I was brought up. It's like, you know, you're making the wrong choice. Yeah. You need to, you need to buck up. You need. Now yeah. there is a place for that, mm-hmm. but if they, and so there's, there's an order of operations. If you, if you don't have agency yet, you help the individual or yourself regain agency. Mm-hmm. So you fix your can'ts. Then once those can'ts are fixed, now it is won't. Yeah. Right. Now you could still yeah. make bad choices. Right. Now you can still do those things, yeah. and that's the responsibility to really important, mm-hmm. right? So it's not an either-or. Anyways, but I think that's a, a huge differentiator that I didn't know about yeah. before.
1: And another thing I really owe you thanks for is, I think it was our initial meeting after my first brain map, and you were talking about the different windows, you know, the a professional will look at you through, and, mm-hmm. um, and that really made a big difference. And luckily, I was already, you know, I had already been addressing the the hormones uh we addressed the nuca through here which mm-hmm, was awesome mm-hmm. uh and i think that made a big difference the only thing i'm upset about with the nuca was i wasn't able to uh quantify how yeah. great it was because i was doing neurofeedback at the same time right right you know yeah. so i always felt bad about that I was like okay i was like i tell everyone it's awesome i can tell everyone like now my legs are balanced now my ribs no longer fall out of place now my when i'm in alignment my low back doesn't hurt yeah. you know but i wasn't able to say okay yeah my brain testing improved this much, you know, and all that. Yeah, right? Which I love about the neurofeedback, and that's what I was showing everyone in Germany too. I'm turning to the back of the book, I'm showing them images of my brain, like look at this, and yeah. look at my attention and my focus, and yeah. look at how much of this went up in sh- such a short amount of time. Yeah. And for me, you know, there's, and more than anything, the, what I'm telling people is like, man, the person I was three years ago, compared to now, like, yeah. there, there's no, and I, I wouldn't even be here, I'd be dead, imprisoned, or divorced, like hundred percent for yeah. sure. Yeah. If I had, especially yeah. because of the stress of the pandemic and everything else. Right, so, right. and uh, that's
2: a whole other level that people yeah. you know, are not taking into account is that, you know, there's, there's, there's so much external stress that's triggering a lot of mm-hmm. our stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I tell people like, if you have a hairline fracture in your, you know, your femur in your leg, um, maybe you can handle it you can keep going. And let's say, you know, you're in the military or let's say you're playing professional sports, whatever. Like you can kind of keep going, but now all of a sudden if they give you a hundred pound pack to carry, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that, that leg is gonna finally probably break. Right. right? That bone is gonna that, that hairline, you know, that weakness is now gonna gonna break. And mm-hmm. that's we you know, a lot of us are walking around with with hairline things going on in our brain, right? Yeah. Our, our our impulsivity, our our, our anxiety, our depression. Um, And um, and now all of a sudden you've got a pandemic, you've got families being divided, racial things going on, politics being what it is. Like it's, we're all carrying kind of a hundred pound pack. Yeah. And now all of a sudden all of our hairline things are just starting to break, right? And so, um, and I think, so that's why I think it's relevant to have this this conversation. I think it's why it's relevant for you to write this book um, because um, it's not just for the person who had the extreme damage. Now it's like everybody realizes that what seemed small back then mm-hmm. is now becoming a major limiting factor for them in their yeah. brain. and they, they need, they we need to shore it up. Right. And that's what this conversation is going to be about. Yeah. And I think that's uh, and that's why I titled the book the way I did, like what the hell's wrong with me is like
1: trying to figure, I think a lot of people may not want to admit it, may not want to voice it, may not know but they just know something is off. Mm-hmm. And because when I came to you, I thought I was fine. Mm-hmm. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I thought I was good. I was mm-hmm. doing great on my brain apps, uh, you know, Lumosity or whatever else. I was like, I, I'd already done Dr. Gordon's protocol for a while, so I'd already had this huge reduction in my depression, anxiety, impulse control, everything else. Yes. You know, so my new normal, like I was feeling good. I was like, I'm 100. And then it was pretty depressing. Like I went into a little bit of a depression getting my results. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I called I called Jen on the way home, their wife on the way home. And I told her, I was like, yeah, my frontal lobe's gone. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> so like, those were the words I used, yeah, you know, and yeah. it really scared her. But I was like, that's how I was feeling. I was like, right. man, I just saw uh, that even though I thought I was feeling better, you know, I still had all this damage. So one of the questions I had was, at what point are you getting patients in here? Are, are they, is it generally loved ones that are recommending that they need it, mm-hmm. you know? Or, are people coming in maybe way later than they should have? Mm-hmm. Um Like, what would you tell someone about, um, you know, when it would be a good idea to seek treatment?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, We have two groups of clients. We have um, a group of clients that are all about performance, right? Mm -hmm. So... They're the people that, you know, maybe like you and I, where we're just we're always looking for that next step. We're mm. always looking to take it one step further, right? So it's usually people that have been in professional sports or you know, high-level sports, or yeah. people that are CEOs and we have a lot of Hollywood directors and producers and so on. So it's it's really about, you know, performance. Okay. But then there's another side, which is those that, you know, are trying to shore up, they're trying to recover and improve some things, they're trying to kind of get back up to what feels like a normal, mm-hmm. right? Um and so, um, so those are the two groups that we tend to see. And so, um, but for the people that are trying to recover some sense of normal, um, usually um, they're usually going to be one of two. They find us one of two ways. They're either really extreme, that um, have been Googling like crazy. Have probably tried. They have the whole laundry list of things they've tried to do. They've been to their neurologists, They've been to their their you know other other MDS. their are psychiatrists. They're on three or four meds. Um, and they just know something's not not mm-hmm. right. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Right? And they're and they're looking for some some more answers. Um, and then there's another group that um, they know they have anxiety. They've lived with anxiety for a long time, or they know they've had concussions, and they know they're not they're not right since those concussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody finally said, "Look, like my attention just improved by like sixty percent by doing this work." Um, you should try that and, and they weren't actively looking, mm-hmm. but they knew something was right and they're like Perfect. This is like the universe is aligned for me from you guys and so they come in that way, right? So, um, so yeah, usually it's uh, but it's almost always um, either, you know people that have just been searching for something and found us or professionals that refer or there are other clients. Okay right? now with with the majority of these people and
1: especially just in, just in the performers um is their
2: brain health generally lower than they thought it would be yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, this is what's interesting about the way that our identity is we we kind of will wrap our identity around something mm-hmm. and we can't we don't usually comprehend the whole entirety of us so we'll wrap our identity around something that's either really positive or really negative right mm-hmm. and so the the, the, the the boy who's been told that he's worthless ever since he was a kid, right. is gonna kind of wrap himself around that identity. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who thinks they're the best thing since sliced bread, they're gonna wrap themselves around. And so what the, our identity will, lit, will 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 become a lens through which we see, mm-hmm. and it'll cut off our ability to see other parts of us. Yeah. So what does that mean, right? So like somebody who has a really negative sense of, of self, um, they don't see that they have like really high, you know, um, patience or they, mm. they have grit and they're able to, to kind of follow through when other people are going to give up. They, mm-hmm. Like they don't see all these other positive traits, Yeah. but also sometimes we'll like see these things and we're like, ah, oh, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a CEO and high powered. Everybody around me tells me how awesome I am. Yeah. And all I see is how awesome I am and I want more awesomeness. And sometimes they don't want to see mm-hmm. um, that, you know, oh, they have, um, anterior cingulate um, binding that makes them. Re- basically cognitively and emotionally inflexible Mm -hmm. right now that could be a superpower when they're trying to push through things but it's gonna ruin their marriages and their parenting right because they're like it's my way or the highway it's this you know and like and they have to realize they can't adapt to Mm -hmm. to their loved ones right so um, so we're not here to kind of just you know tell you all all the things that are wrong with you we usually say um, what is your goal Mm -hmm. what do you what are you trying to achieve um, and then we'll usually, you know then the brain map gives me the ability to see a lot of the other sides to that person. Mm-hmm. and then um, and I may share some highlights of some other things that they weren't asking, right, but usually it's going to be around their thing, right? Mm-hmm. so um, so that CEO, you know may you know may be high driving, very successful, but you know they're in counseling and so the, the counselor referred them to see us because mm-hmm. they're in marriage counseling and and um, and then the, F- the CEO finally admits, oh, I'm actually a, also I'm also very anxious. And also, yes, it is hard for me to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we can have a conversation about yeah. that. You know? so, um, so how can we improve your performance, which is what you want, what, mm-hmm. you, what you want, but how can we maybe also help turn down a couple clicks in this inflexibility so that you can get the things you need. Right. So now, can you explain what
1: you do offer? So how are you guys here improving people's brain output. what are yeah. what are the tools you're using to yeah. measure to improve it
2: uh, yeah you can kind of yeah. explain that yeah you know we, we essentially have two groups of tools the first one is the ability to image the brain and I think that's incredibly valuable mm-hmm. just by itself um, and then we have other tools to like literally begin to like almost like surgically train right not there's no c- cutting but meaning we can pre- with precision mm-hmm. help you train up some certain things so, um, so the imaging, um, you know, we, we do uh, we, we basically have you come anywhere, swimmers cap with twenty one leads. You've done it, mm-hmm. um, and what we're able to see is we're able to see the different rooms of your brain and how they're able to get in and out of different frequencies or different states, and um, and that's incredibly valuable because um, most imaging. Won't give you that kind of granular, high definition detail. Okay. So um, what I, the way I tend to describe what the, the groupings of, of brain imaging is this. Um, I I envision there are two basically types of brain imaging out there. There's structural imaging and there's functional imaging. So um, we've all heard about CT scans. And we've all heard mm-hmm. about MRI scans. And those are those fall within the first category, which are structural imaging. Okay. So they're looking for things that are big and obvious, um, and so and so it's like tumors and bleeds mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and so um, but they don't tell you about also how what those regions that don't look like there's a big old tennis ball in your brain mm-hmm. um, they don't tell you all the other tissue what it's doing and how well it works right and so that's where the functional imaging lands so I say I've got a laptop in front of me I say a structure, a, if I didn't know, if my laptop wasn't working and I, and I, and I said, okay, I, I, we gotta do some imaging with this laptop, uh, a, a CT or an MRI, a structural imaging is gonna look at like, are there any dents on my laptop? Mm-hmm. Are there any scratches on my screen? Are there any missing keys, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, they, you, you go in and it's like, oh, no, your, your laptop works fine, it's ne- everything is negative. Mm-hmm. So, right, so people with concussions or, or even CTE right. or, 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 or you know early signs dementia or mm-hmm. anxiety or these things, They're going to the 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 test that they that everybody recommends Mm -hmm. um, and they get an MRI or a CT scan and and the CT scans come out negative. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, no dents. And I I don't feel right. Right? So there's a whole other category that's called functional imaging. And these are looking at how the different, you know, how your physiology is working. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the AM clinics have spec scans. mm -hmm. Um, a lot of research institutions have functional MRIs. Um, and then EEGs are what Mm. we use and and what a a big group of people use. Um, and each one gives you a little bit of a perspective on what the brain is doing. And so no one will give you every perspective. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, spec scans are phenomenal because they're helping you see blood flow and Mm. metabolic activity. Um, and I think that's great. Mm. Um, and EEG, um, with the software we can do now, we can compute that data, and we can now see three d imaging mm. of the different regions of the brain. And now we can actually see, even before we can do this now where we couldn't do it when you were here. <laughs> um, but you know we can now see in three dimensions where in the brain these that, that the area is generating these brain waves. Mm. Um, we can see um, not just is there enough blood flow or not, but we can see is that is that area stuck in a frequency that it shouldn't be in? And maybe that stuck frequency is actually what's causing your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so so we can see a lot of what maybe a spec scan can see now mm-hmm. um, because we can see in three dimensions. We can see areas that are that are you know overactive or underactive. But now we can also see like all the these other nuances. and so um and it ends up being like almost a tenth of the price. Okay. so that's yeah. so. So there's there's a value to that 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 I that I see, and then ultimately what it also does is it becomes a roadmap mm-hmm. um, for the plan of action that's unique to the person, mm-hmm. right? And so we were just talking before this this went on air, um, and you know we're talking about well you know if, you know one professional says you know you should do things in this sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and another professional says you should do it in this sequence. And I think that good people should be talking about sequences. Mm -hmm. Like that's important because you, you know, if you have an injury or you have something going on with the brain, you do need to think in order of operations. Mm -hmm. But, um, the other, the other component that's really vital is that, um, it, the sequence matters, but it matters based on what do you need and your sequence of tools you should do in which order are going to be different than mine. Right. Right. So. so the brain imaging, like again, what do we do? We do the brain imaging, and the brain imaging gives g- helps give us the ability to give you some really good insight into why you're, you're feeling or, or experiencing what you're doing, mm-hmm. and also we're able to better predict what should be a customized order of operations. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like I just think it's, I continue to. If I if we wanted to spend a couple million dollars and have a spec scan here in our office. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't, mm-hmm. right? Not because it's 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 not useful, but um, it doesn't it doesn't add a huge amount of, of information for me. Right. I feel like we're able to really get great insight, and we're able to kind of take that to the next step. And then sometimes we you know a person yeah. needs both, and that's great. And so we do both. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's one reason why I decided not to get the spec because I was already
1: feeling so good from this, and I realized it probably wasn't going to show anything different.
2: Uh, but I do want to get my brain scanned again. I think I do want to, because I could. I know I can improve it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's and that's something that again, even since and now it's been a little while since you've been here, um, that's the other part that's kind of fun is because now that we can see so many different nuances and insights about the way the brain is working, um, and we can now have software that we can see things like we can see your, you know, we can see that you, you basically have three attention networks: okay. um, uh, ventral, dorsal, and emotional networks. Well, we can see those now in wow. three dimensions from your map, right? So, like, so the EEG gives us a bunch of sweep lines, and mm-hmm. I say that's like the source code of like a, a computer software. Mm-hmm. And whoever you go to needs to understand what that means. And I've spent a lot of time and energy really understanding that. Um, and I've worked on, I have work under some of some of the uh, I think some of the, the best uh, mentors uh, in, in the field. Um, but now there are software that allows us to to then compare you to compare different rooms to each other, and so we can see you know different different dynamics there. We can compare you to other people, your your age and gender. That's useful. Um, now also we can see we can take that to another level and see now in three dimensions what's going on and mm-hmm. how the different networks are involved. Um, and so all of those things give us more ability to like. Pull out the different strings and, and you know the different the different aspects of you, so that then we could there's just more things we can improve. Mm-hmm. You know and that's what's cool.
1: And one of the things that we realized, well, that you realized and pointed out to me, that I wasn't even aware of, which is how bad my deep sleep had been mm-hmm. and how crucial that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that alone, is getting poor sleep for
2: a long time. That should be a sign for them to... It really should get their brain looked at yeah yeah I think it should I think um, um, there are a lot of great professionals that have been out there I know that Andrew Huberman has been doing a lot of work on uh, promoting stuff on sleep um, Matthew Walker is the he's mm-hmm. written the book why we sleep mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know what we understand now is that physiologically if you have poor sleep everything it, it goes down everything right mm-hmm. but especially if you had an old concussion and yeah. now you're gonna go down this, this, this um, downward spiral so um, Yes. Yeah, so unlike other, you know, definitely MRI or CT scan will not tell you if your sleep is poor, mm. right? And frankly, you know, probably none of the other functional medicine or functional imaging uh, um, uh, types will give it to you unless, you know, there's something new that I don't know about, which mm-hmm. is always possible, I mean, it's growing so fast. Right. Um, but EEG gives us a lot of insight about sleep, mm. you know, partly because an EEG is what's used when you do a sleep study. <laughs> Everything we understand about sleep is EEG, right? And so, um, so like the reason why we know you have different stages of sleep is because we can see the stages defined at by mm-hmm. your EEG pattern, right? So, um, so it, like it makes sense that it gives us that that information, right? So now we don't need we don't need to have you we don't need to follow you when you're sleeping. That's mm-hmm. that's a different study. Other professionals do it, and I, and we recommend it. But we can see the leftover effect, okay. right? So we can see um, what's called your level of arousal um, during, during the, 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 the EEG. So you come in, we basically take a video of your brain for 10 minutes with your eyes open, 10 mm-hmm. minutes with your eyes closed, and we can literally see the states of your alertness, and we can even see you starting to drop into deeper layers of, of, of sleep, oh, right? Okay. Cool. While you're sitting there, sometimes with your eyes open, mm-hmm. sometimes with your eyes closed, right? Um, and so that gives us the ability to see like, oh my gosh, after only like, you know, a minute in, this person's already dropping two or three layers into like the first layer of sleep, mm-hmm. right? Like this person's in non REM sleep right now and they don't even realize it, no. you know? Um, well, if that's happening, we know right off the bat, you, you've you had some poor sleep habits, mm-hmm. right? Like we know that there is a deficit happening here because your your nervous system cannot maintain its level of awakeness, yeah, yeah. right? Um, we can see a lot of other things too. We can see, we can compare your Delta waves uh, and see what's happening when we co- when we compare you to other men your age. Um, but there are a lot of things that we can see now that that shows, like I can tell you now, probably even more so than when you were here, I could tell you now if you probably wake up a lot mm-hmm. throughout the night. Because we'll see beta, a lot of fast beta spindles in the front of your oh, brain, wow. and we know those are the things that just wake you up, wake you uh, up, wake you up in the middle of the night. We can see, if you have poor connectivity across different uh, the different rooms of your brain, mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee you have poor deep sleep. Oh okay. because deep sleep is when is is the one time your brain naturally works as a as a as a, a symphony mm-hmm. as a whole. And if if those those rooms can't talk to each other, then they can't go through that natural delta rhythm, which is when your growth hormone is being Mm -hmm. released. It's when all of your pituitary gland is releasing all those important hormones and chemicals to repair your brain. Mm -hmm. It's when you're getting rid of beta amyloid plaque is deep sleep, right? So like that stuff is really, really important. So, and you just can't see that with other energy. Mm -hmm. Now, what is,
1: let's go into places that provide neurofeedback, because a lot of people Mm -hmm. might be interested, but they're like, oh, I can't go to Pasadena. I do know that you have people coming from out of the country in different states that will come here for intensive stuff, which I think is awesome, so check that out. But let's say someone doesn't want to do that, can't afford to do that, but they want to find a good place. Now, a lot of places do not do the brain
2: mapping, right? Is that what you kind of explained to me before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so the second part of the things that we do here are we can once we know the, the regions of the brain we we can literally train those regions to produce more or less of certain mm-hmm. frequencies the same way a personal trainer at the gym can help you get bigger biceps right mm-hmm. or or slim down into waist right um, and so that has a, a big term called um, neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so there's an international organization called the ISNR I think the International Society for Neurotherapy and something else um, and research I Okay. Think. And um and so they have a list of a lot of people that have that, that have done the training and do the work and all across the country and all across the world. So that's a great kind of place to start to find a practitioner who does the neurotherapy. Okay. However, um, I think it's important to note um, these neurofeedback practitioners have a diversity of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a diversity of tools. And so so a a large majority of the people that do neurofeedback as a whole um, um, may not even be on this list. And and of those as a whole, a lot of them don't even do brain math. Right, which is kind of scary. Which is, it can be scary if if somebody is really talented and skilled, and they've done this work, and they're they're the pioneers of a certain mm-hmm. type of work. Um, you know, they seem to have some other kind of tools that they use to kind of navigate the way the brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm I'm less kind of dismissive of some of of you know, of these pro- professionals, mm-hmm. but I think as as a majority, I think that there are a lot of others that just don't. And so. Now it's kind of like you're driving without an understanding of what the map is. You know, you, yeah. are you training things that shouldn't be trained a certain way? Are you producing more beta waves in a place that shouldn't? Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and so a one size. And so they usually kind of go based on a little bit of either a one size fits all, mm-hmm. or let's try something, see what happens and then change and then yeah. shift. Well, the one size fits all like nobody's brain looks like anyone right. else's, yeah. and, you know, on some of the, especially when there's injury or damage, and then two, the, like, let's try and see what happens and then shift. To me, is like, uh, I guess if you, there's nothing else out there, yeah. okay, well, then I'm willing to because I'm desperate, but I would just be a little bit more. And that seems to me, depressing. I would be thinking, okay, waste of time, waste of money, not efficient and possibly they like,
1: could set me back. You know, I, I'd rather <laughs> know what's going on and yeah. what's being worked on. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, we this is low, so we're going to work on this area and here's what it looks like
2: now. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's yeah. yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, that, that's what you want. That's why mm-hmm. we created what we do here. But, um, but again, I mean, and usually then the alternative is though sometimes the alternative is actually doing the, well, let's try this and then shift, which seems like, well, that's not scientific. That's not really that. Well, that's actually what our psychiatrists are going to do with us. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's what our MDs are going to do with us. They're going to give us the medication, mm-hmm. see how it works for a while. And then you come back and go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm having these suicidal thoughts. Well, okay, let's take that one away and let's do yeah. this one. Like, that's also kind of following the same thing. And so with really kind of much more potent, you mm-hmm. know, uh, weaponry. Yeah. And so, um, so I agree, right? Like I used to be very, very like, you know, it's, it's this or nothing mm-hmm. in the neurofeedback world. And then I realized, well, my goodness, I, if I had to do a, uh, try something and shift, I'd rather do it still with the neurofeedback than mm-hmm. maybe certain medications right. that have much more, you know, kind of deleterious effects, potential, mm-hmm. potential now. How about ages? What's the youngest that you
1: do neurofeedback with? What are, what's the oldest? Mm-hmm. Like, is there you know? Because I know at some point there's a point where you know someone might be too far gone. They're, you know, they're they're beyond it's
2: yeah help or whatever. Yeah.
1: But what have you what have you seen?
0: Yeah,
2: our office. You know, we try to optimize all of our systems and our you know our resources and everything to you know a certain a certain we have Mm guardrails right on who who we have so um but we do see a big group of students um and the youngest are i think the youngest we have is four years old Mm -hmm. they just essentially have to be willing to sit there and let us put a cap on and track them for a couple minutes at least each with eyes open with eyes closed Mm -hmm. right like if they can't do that yeah they need to go somewhere else first get a couple things settled and then come back Mm -hmm. um so, but we see a big group of kids um, that you know have ADHD because that's one of our top uh, our top things that we help with, um, and usually with ADHD they come with a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. So, I thought we were simplifying things by saying ADHD because we understand the regions. We there's so much published literature about it. Um, it's like it's not it's 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 nowhere experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're finding is that people are coming in, bringing their children in because they're either diagnosed with ADHD or they have these other, other issues. And, um, and it turns out like the child also has autism, also has these, these oppositional factors. They also have all these things and they just happen to throw on another label, which is ADHD. Yeah. And now we're trying to kind of like unravel a lot of these things that are going on. And so, um, so that's made it really fascinating, interesting. And I've been shocked to see how many things can improve mm-hmm. with some of these other areas. Um, so, so children as young as four. Usually, they're you know they're in um, elementary high school. Um, that, that's kind of a big a big group of our of our um, of our clientele. Um, we have you know professionals. Um, these are you know men and women that there's a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, they they and and there's a, there's something that's not working right. So they're a, a, a high powered attorney, but they're having panic attacks, mm. Right. Um, they it's a mother of three who's, you know, you know, has two college degrees and is managing a million things, but also like all of a sudden something hit her and she's got this depression that's just really out of control. Um, and so, um, so we see a lot of adults that have, you know, we try to help them with one component mm-hmm. usually. And, um, and what's really fascinating is with the adults, I mentioned the students, there's adults, and then there's the older um, clientele. But with these professional adults, they are probably our biggest group that um, are being referred by other health professionals. Okay. So we'll have uh, we have a lot of psychiatrists that refer them to us to to do training in addition to their psychiatric work. Mm-hmm. Um we have psychologists and marriage family therapists that are we just had I mentioned uh, one earlier who, she referred the husband of the husband and wife, marriage counseling couple, um, that you know she kept giving all this great advice and he wasn't following any of mm. it. And she realized, oh, this is this is also a can't, it's not a won't, yeah. right? The husband loses it, the husband has to walk out, the husband goes from zero to a hundred, like, and the husband is trying not to, mm. right? And so the therapist, they still need counseling right. that, instead of, they need counseling, but the, the counselor says, Look, I, I'm telling you the, all the right things, you just need to do them, and you can't. Mm-hmm. So let's get you over to Vital, let's have them w- figure out why, and then let's see if they can help you. And now that you, you can mm-hmm. again, you can still choose to be a jerk, right? Right, but now it's a, it's a won't, right? Yeah. And now it's a different story, right? And so, um, so we have a lot of professionals that are, are help, I say professionals because they're just you know, they can afford to come in, mm-hmm. they're doing the work, um, and um. But they're being referred and they're so we're part of now their team. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we have people like your mom, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, you know, people in their you know, late fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, even we have we have a few um, clients right now in our, in their eighties, um, who either are concerned about um, dementia because they know of, of close family members who who have it. Or they're already experiencing it, mm-hmm. and they're really scared because everyone's telling them that it's a pretty steep slope down. Yeah. Um, or those that are already kind of in the throes of it, oh, wow. um, and and those are both really challenging and really exciting to see mm-hmm. because um, that third group of older, you know, dementia um, clients—they're um, the ones that I, t- I have to have the frank conversation with them, and I. Have like they'll sit here in this room mm-hmm. and I'm showing them on this you know 72 inch screen their brain. Yeah. And and I usually have to tell them, if you're gonna turn this around, you need you need to do this work, you need to do hyperbaric chamber work, you need to find a good bredesen protocol person. Like like you can't afford to just do one. Yeah, because each one has an important facet into this thing. And if you don't do it, like don't waste your time just coming to see us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? So that's like so it's kind of like you have more choices in the beginning mm-hmm. but if you waited until things are really extreme you have less choice so you need you need to do all of them but that is that is encouraging to know that there is hope
1: for those that are motivated and able you know even in the extreme cases because yes. i've kind
2: of told people well you know i think there's a certain point where it's not going with the help but yeah, um, yeah and so. there is and there is a point and i call mm-hmm. it the cliff. Okay. Um, there, there is a point, but usually that point everybody already knows. Mm-hmm. Um, the per- like you know, I can't have if I can't have a code conversation with the person. Yeah, um, I'm probably not. I, I've uh, they've now gone past what mm-hmm. I can do. Okay, right. So, um, but it's usually they're they're very forgetful, or they're becoming more emotional, or um, they f- they forget whole conversations they had with the spouse, um, but they are still cogent enough to, you know, have a conversation mm-hmm. here. They're going to forget probably half of it. The spouse right. is going to be there, but again, there's there's still enough to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a point where, um, literally, I mean, you know, um, all you have are tangles that replace all of that important network of mm-hmm. neurons and glial cells. And so, when you just have a lot of tangles in there, yeah. there's not much you can work with. You know, so, yeah.
1: now, how about rate of improvement? Is it is it faster among kids? Uh, And what would be like a a typical amount of time? Like, so for someone that's considering it, like they might say, "I don't want to go in for a year or or whatever." What would be, you know? uh, I know there's probably no average, but what would you say as far
2: as how long it might take for someone? Um, What I have found is this. Um, I think again, so. It's 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 a cheap answer, right? The cheap answer is it depends. Um, what I w- what I find is it. Kids don't necessarily respond faster than adults. I've seen some phenomenal changes with adults. Yeah, okay. um, what I think now, you know, kids, you know, change their their nervous system is more adapted for sure. I think that the, the a more important differentiator is how many layers are involved mm-hmm. and how yeah. many different pieces are involved. Um and so um if a child comes in but they have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pieces yeah. involved, then um you know it then it's it becomes a longer journey. Mm-hmm. Um but what I end up telling people is um our job is to identify what the pieces are and be able to differentiate them into um measurable, I call them breakthrough chunks. Okay. okay. So, um, so for instance, let's say somebody has, um, let's say a child, a child comes in because the parent says they have ADHD and the child is impulsive and, but also loses it every time they don't get, you know, their way. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also, um, are very impulsive and it turns out they have auditory processing challenges, which means that the mom's like, I tell them a hundred times, well, part of it is they're not, it's not even going in Um, and uh, these other issues. So, if they have all these layers to them, then um, it's my job to be able to identify those layers, communicate that to the parent and then say, all right, well, if you only came to see us for 90 days, and um, what I would say is, you know, let's pick a chunk Mm -hmm. and let's work on that one chunk to get, you know, three or four clicks up, right? So, um, and there's a little bit of an order of operations to Mm -hmm. that too, but, um, and so like, you know, you came because you want your child to get, go from Fs to As, but they have all these other layers. Um, let's, you know, maybe what we can do is, you know, based on what I'm seeing, I think we can make a measurable change in how how much your child is gonna lose it mm-hmm. when they don't get their way. Because we know where the region is, we know what's dysregulated, we know we can help them. And so at the end of 90 days, what we see is a measurable change. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so what happens is the child will still occasionally lose it, mm-hmm. but it goes from being 10 times a day to maybe once every week or two, mm-hmm. right? Because things have to be so involved for them to finally get pushed over the edge, because we trained it. That right? area mm-hmm. isn't just sitting there ready to go off. At yeah. any time. Right. So, um, and then now that that's addressed, we can maybe then address the next thing. So I say it's kind of like belts mm-hmm. in martial in arts. Right. right. Like, it's not like, you know, you get to a black belt right off the bat. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing to go from a white to a yellow, mm-hmm. right? Like that's measurable. You keep it. You know, you don't lose it typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and so, it's kind of like there's a little bit of a belt system. One one of the things that I liked that I wasn't even
1: considering was the cognitive improvement as well that we did with the Cambridge testing, mm-hmm. because you know we weren't specifically working in those areas or trying to train those areas, but just because the overall brain health improved. My scores in all these different areas improved
2: like yeah. crazy too. So it was really cool. Yeah, I thought that yeah.
1: was amazing. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, because of um, there, again, we talk about order of operations. I say it's it's like people are like, well, what does that mean? Um, it's like a socks and shoes phenomenon. If you do the same two things, but you do them in the wrong order, like you get a very different result, yeah. right? You know, and so um, and so with the brain, um, there is a phenomenon of um, there's certain Functions that are that are sitting on top of other networks, and so um, so I've I I've conveniently broken those down into three categories. There's like performance, there's attention, and there's regulation. So performance is I want my son to, or I want to score better on my my you know my visual processing Mm -hmm. speed. Okay, good. Okay, we can you do that. But if your attention network isn't working well you may spend a lot of time and energy trying to improve mm-hmm. your visual processing, and it's not gonna get as great as you want it to be because that stuff's sitting on top of this other network that's not working well, okay. right? And then, but so you got your performance, which is like, you know, you're reading, right? Mm-hmm. That's an example of visual processing. So I want my reading to improve. If you're reading, if, if you want your reading to improve, but your attention is bad, you need to work on your attention or else mm-hmm. you're wasting your money on the reading. right? But if your attention is, is okay and your reading is okay, but your your ability for your brain to, to be regulated is off, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Keep spending the money back there. Yeah. You can keep getting more tutors, you can keep doing other things and it won't matter because all of that is, is dependent on your brain's ability to regulate the different rooms mm-hmm. and have them learn to work together when they need to and then disconnect when they don't need to, right? And that fundamental regulation is the, is the basis for everything else. So, um, so if a child, again, if a parent brings their kid in, they say they have reading issues and they want, will this help? Mm Well, um, it depends. Is the retention network off? Oh my gosh. We got to work on that. Is the regulation off? Oh my goodness. We got to work on that. So then it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, no, maybe we shouldn't make that our first goal for this 90 days. Right. Um, but this is to go back to what you were saying, you took the test and now those tests are doing better mm-hmm. and you can train them. Why? If we help train your regulation, what's cool is that then a lot of your attention and your performance can come back up because they weren't the source, they weren't the root of the problem, mm-hmm. right? The root of the problem was this. If we work on your attention and now all of a sudden, then yes, maybe these other parts of your performance weren't the root of the problem, the mm-hmm. attention was. And the attention's back, now those things work better. Then once those things are taken care of, you may still have reading issues, mm-hmm. but now we can finally go. To that's cool, right? And so, um, so I, I like that because not only is that necessary, but also like, then you don't you realize you don't have to go spend your money on some of this stuff because it just got better on its own, right? Right. right? And that's kind of cool, like yeah. I, you because know, yeah. I mean, it's, this stuff is expensive enough for you know with everything else, yeah. right? So, but I think
1: it's also, and that's something. Um, I talked about it in the book you know the the how much I had to spend my brain together but also how much it's worth it mm-hmm. and even if even if I'm still gonna get CT even if I'm gonna get dementia down the road or whatever else like just for these last three years to be improved I would pay that money even yeah. if it was for one year yeah. but you can't really put a price on quality of life and I think it's important for people to look at like okay well where else are we spending our money where are we spending it frivolous yeah. you know frivolous? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think it's, you know, there's nothing better, uh, I forget what the message is that you guys have on your sign out there on the TV screen, but I mm-hmm. see it all the time, but like something about you can't put a price on, you know, your
2: brain health. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. mm-hmm. so true. Oh, it totally is. And again, I mean, it, it's, you know, it depends on who we're speaking, you know, what group we're right. speaking to, but at the same time, um, look, I mean... I have a lot of good friends. These are these are my close friends that will spend, you know, you know, sixty thousand dollars on a great truck. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome truck. Yeah. Right? And so and then they'll turn right around and say they can't afford, mm-hmm. you know, to improve the brain. And you know, some have phenomenal toys when they go out to the desert. Yeah. Right. Some have, you know, literally sometimes the cost between somebody doing training here or not is sometimes the difference between whether they get the the you know the Toyota um, you know w- with the, the leather seats yeah. or without the leather seats yeah. right like sometimes it's that difference yeah. right and so um, but it but we have we have relative value systems mm-hmm. and so um, so what we feel like we we value oh I, I want I need to remodel my house right well sometimes maybe we do we're leaking or the, the ceilings leaking but Sometimes it's just no. I want yeah. a better house. Yeah. But the fact is, really? this house, right? This house mm-hmm. is the thing in that I can't get away from, right? Yeah. This house will also determine how how well you know my family life is going to be. My so all of those things, right? So, but it's so I, I think it is a shifting of of, mm-hmm. of of awareness as to well, what am I really valuing? Yeah. Now? So awesome. Well. I don't want to keep you any longer. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Uh, well, I mean, you know, so I, I, first of all, I love, I love what you're doing. This book is, is phenomenal. I think it is a great, great tool, and it's going to reach some um, very, very key people. Um, I think right now we're a little bit in the Wild West mm-hmm. of um, all things brain health, all things, you know, um, TBI and concussions and all things dementia. I mean, it's really a wild time um and the research and, and is just is happening so fast um and so um i love the fact that you're doing this because i think we need more individuals and groups that can kind of curate all of this information help it make sense to the people that are out there that are still trying to figure out well where do i start mm-hmm. what do i do right and so um so I'm very glad that you have put the work in to do this. And I, and I do think this is gonna go very well. And, I, and I'll already be expecting then the next version to come out and the next version, because this is gonna be happening so fast. Yeah. The changes are gonna be happening so quickly. Um, I think that um, there is kind of a, a first place to start for a lot of people. And um, and so I think that if, if, I think reading your book is gonna be probably a first place. Um, I think that people need to understand that not every tool in the garage is needed Mm -hmm. at this point, right? Not every tool in the garage is necessary for what that person has. Um, there may not be a, you know, we may not be the first tool or the tool, um, in this person's journey, Mm -hmm. but usually most people that have either dementia or pre-dementia or are dealing with TBI and, and are afraid of CTE, um, they need to understand that it's, there is not gonna be one magic tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, either they need to help make sense, they need help making sense out of when is the tool appropriate, in which order, for which type of person, Um, and if they don't get that lens, I think it'll continue to be really expensive, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes very heartbreaking, because um, they just don't have the, it wasn't the right, it was the socks and shoes, Mm -hmm. right? Or they just did shoes and they never did the socks. Right. So, um, so it's. I think that that your what you're doing your podcast, your book um, is essential, and I think that there's a growing increase in, in the need for that. Um, the second thing that I would say, if that's okay, is mm-hmm. also you know even speaking to CTE, um, you know from what we understand at this point is that um, there is a lot of you know, CTE appears to be, you know, a combination of inflammation and all, and all these other, other mechanisms, but it's an extension of, it's kind of, it's an extension of the TBIs and mm-hmm. injury. And so, um, it's kind of like a, it, it's a linear process that happens or there's, it's an exponential process that happens. And all that means is that they're not these random things that just happen to you. Mm-hmm. It was starting. So it's, I say it's kind of like bankruptcy, like, You don't just wake up one day and you're bankrupt. Right. Right? Like, but you know, your credit card debt was getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, you're spending more money. You you stopped making payments on your on your 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 car payments, you know. And now all of a sudden, eventually, you know, uh, bankruptcy is gonna be around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what's happening with TBI, that gets that doesn't get addressed. Yeah. It's there. It's an issue. It's 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 managed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's under control, and and then what happens is it gets covered up with medications and things, but that 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 compound interest yeah. continues to happen. Those penalties keep happening, mm-hmm. and then you know we have these stories of whether MMA fighters or whether they're, they're pro football players or rugby or so on, where all of a sudden the person just you know just can't. I mean they're living in a personal hell. Right. Um, Well, I say CTE is a little bit like bankruptcy. Um, you know, there was a lot that could have been done ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so I think that even if there wasn't some magical cure in, in, you know, their, their, their work with TBI or they're not perfect yet, um, still do it, do something, right? Do something, read the book, start taking, start taking some, some action, Um, Just like, you know, just start paying off some of your bills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just start paying off something, just, you know, turn in the car, just don't like, you know, just start taking some action. It may not mean that you're now all of a sudden, you know, a millionaire, right? but you're starting to kind of take away the source of that compound interest, the same way that you'll take away the source of that, the stuff that's leading to that CT. Yeah, And,
1: and it's so easy, especially for, I think, that group of people to be fatalistic and just be like, that's where I'm headed. Like either yep. it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. And if it happens, oh well. Yep. Uh, I know I was in that boat for a long time, just didn't care. But now, now I want everyone to think about their brain. Yeah, um, yeah,
2: yep. yep. no, yep. yeah, I think I think that's right on. I think that the fatalistic attitude is um, the worst possible thing you can do, whether it's CTE or even with dementia. Mm-hmm. I think that there is, a, I mean, a lot that can be done. Yeah. Um, and those of us that understand a lot of the mechanisms, we don't need to understand all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to understand the the exact mathematics of compound interest. If I know compound interest happens, yeah. and I know that if I stop paying my, my my credit card bill, that that balance gets bigger and yeah. bigger over time. And so I don't need to understand the exact equation to mm-hmm. know that that's a pro- that's a process. So, and at the same way, if I start paying off some of this stuff fast enough, that compound compound interest is going to start dropping. And so. Um, we do know enough about inflammation in the brain. We know enough about um, the different regions of the brain that can get injured and how that can affect us. Mm-hmm. We know enough about imaging to see where that's happening. We know enough about um, ways to kind of um, speed up healing like hyperbaric chamber work and, 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 and you know, IV therapies and things mm-hmm. like that. And so, um, and so you know, do something. Yeah, <laughs> do something even if it's not perfect. Yeah, even if it's not the perfect neurofeedback practitioner, do something because I think it'll make a big difference. Yeah, and yeah. don't be afraid of it. Like, that was my mom's biggest thing. She was afraid
1: to see that what her brain might look like. Yeah. And and it is a little bit scary, but it's like I'd much rather know and be able to fix it instead of just you know, yeah. forgetting about it and, and pretending it's not there. Yeah, so. yeah
2: yeah because i think the fear is wrapped up into the fatalistic attitude yeah like if i can't do anything about it why do i want to know yeah yeah i'd rather not know yeah mm-hmm. but if i can't if i can do something about it yeah then i want to know what where i'm gonna I can yeah. Fix. yeah and yeah. if it's your kids then i think you're obligated
1: yeah. so Take care of them. All right, Doc, thank you so much. Thank I you for everything, man. And I, yes. I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to get my brain scan. I'm going to set it up right now.
2: We'll, we'll get the update. Awesome. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, very great. cool. That'll be for the second edition. Awesome. Yeah, I'll that in there That'd be great. That'd be great. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you.
0: Chapter 16. I couldn't tell if Becky was reading my mind, but she was doing a perfect impression of me, drumming the wheel with her thumbs as we waited for the light to go green. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. We were only two blocks from her parents' house, the flames licking the night in the rear view. Sirens headed right for us. Everything hurt too much to speak. My jaw clenched tight, the deep throb in my shoulder and now a rapid drumbeat, knives piercing my foot. Sounds like fire trucks, I told her. We'll be okay. She sounded dazed when she said, I can't believe any of this. You're telling me. It's like we stepped in to kill Bill. Thinking she had no business being behind the wheel, she said, Like a nightmare. For sure. But let's take control of the dream. Direct it how we want. Becky huffed, kept thumbing the wheel. All I want is for it to all go back to how it was before Brightside. Maybe it wasn't great, but Jesus Christ, Joe, everyone's trying to kill us. Trying, I reminded her, not succeeding. I pointed out the green light as a terrible thought hit me. I had no idea where we were, or where we were headed. You remember how to get there? I can try Kevin's phone, look at recent destinations on his maps. A few blocks up. Flashing red lights zoomed toward us. Becky turned left in front of them and said, I got it. My old jujitsu studio was close to Kevin's and I remember his street. I kept my eyes on the side mirror, relieved when fire trucks sped past. No cops or boots in sight. Becky said, maybe you should put that down with the others. I'd forgotten about the submachine gun in my lap, my finger resting inside the trigger guard a sin my father would never forgive. I said sorry and double-checked the safety, set it by my feet beside the others, covered them with the Raiders' sweatshirt from the back seat. We turned right at the next light, left a few blocks later, silent the whole time. Joe, I need to know what you plan on doing once we get there. Becky checked her mirrors. What happens if Sarah says they decide not to come with us? The constant pain was becoming tolerable enough to talk more easily. They'll come. They might not even be there. Then the choice will be easy. I don't think it will, she gave a sad smile. You're too nice. You'll want to wait for them. No, I promise, I said. Drilling it into my head, Becky comes first. But what should we tell them? Where are we headed? We find a safe house until we know what's going on with my parents. After that, we'll get out of Los Angeles County, maybe California. It was hard to think critically, and I was going along with whatever she wanted. We'll need Sarah's phone for the safe house. If she doesn't come with, I'll trade her for Kevin's. All she cares about is watching the goddamn news. Yeah, but I get it. Becky rolled to a stop at the red light. She looked right at me. Can you leave her? Can you leave Danny? If I have to. I didn't want to point it out, but needed her to understand. I already did it once. Becky could barely hold back the tears. I'm sorry, I just don't want to do this by myself. If my arm wasn't immobilized, I would have reached out to comfort her. As solemnly as I could, I swore, you won't have to. The light changed and she took us through the intersection made a right just past the grocery store. She asked, Remember this? We could have been anywhere, any city, any state. Not at all. Just a few blocks away. Becky started saying something about the neighborhood when we slammed into a pothole, the jolt making me scream. I'm so sorry, I didn't see it. Motherfucker! God damn, someone just shoot me. Take another pill. I need to give it time. The deep ache made me think, I'm going to puke. Take it, Joe. My dad would have to do up to three when his back got really bad. Becky wasn't testing me, just wanted to help. I took the bottle from my pocket and asked her to open it at the next stop sign. We didn't have anything to drink, the pack of bottled water left on Brendan's table with the other box I'd packed. Becky shook out a pill and handed it over with the bottle. It was rough getting the chalky pill down with only saliva, but I managed. She said, two blocks up. I grabbed a submachine gun, flicked off the safety. Cross your fingers. Kevin Street was the next one on the right. Becky pulled over a half block away and put the car in park. I've got a super bad feeling, Joe. Sarah would have called back by now if they were there. I checked the phone in case the ringer was off, but there was no missed calls or texts. Only one way to find out. I'll park and run out, ring once. Becky's eyes stayed on the rear view. You don't leave the car, cool? I was a useless liability who could barely even move. Makes sense. Joe? I don't know why she got silent, but I could hear her fear. I wanted to turn to see what was worrying her, but she said not to before I moved. There's a car back there with boots in it. I can see the driver. Can he see you? They're facing the other way. Doesn't look like he noticed, but we drove right past them so what do we do? Becky blew out a big breath. Shit, keep going, I guess. Yeah, we can't just sit here. She flicked on her turn signal and eased into the street. She clicked the blinker to the right, started turning on Kevin street. A pair of bright headlights flashed on and blinded us as a vehicle that had been parked on the opposite side of the street crossed the center divider and headed right for us. Becky jerked the wheel to the left way too hard, and I slammed against the door. She overcorrected to stop our ass end from flying into the oncoming lane and stomped on the gas. I bit my tongue and checked the side mirror, the headlights turning toward us and giving chase. They're coming. I see that. Panicked, afraid she was going to kill us in a crash, she said, What do I do? The headlights were getting closer, but I kept calm, the gun in my hand reminding me we had an out, one way or another. Slow us down. Can't look guilty. We are guilty. The headlights flashed twice. My vision was a little blurry, the light all I could see behind us. What's he doing? Becky checked her mirror. The driver's got his hand out the window. I waited for gunshots, considered trying to turn and fire out the window, but I wasn't going anywhere strapped in. Becky was back to focusing on the street and whipped a right at the next corner. The large white van followed right behind. He's waving, I said. He's pointing to the curb. You said don't pull over. I buried my fear to keep her calm. I didn't have the disguise or the firepower. Becky slowed and put on her blinker. Why isn't he using a siren? Something wasn't right with me. My vision going dark, my heart thudding against my chest. Should I do it? Becky asked. I pulled it together and said, Up there, where there's more space so he can't box us in. Keep it in drive. She did what I said, both hands gripping the wheel tightly, her gaze straight ahead, the van's headlights lighting the street as it crept forward. I had the Raider sweatshirt over the gun, my body turned so my uniform showed. Don't lean forward. I got this, but get ready to punch it just in case. The van rolled to a stop a few feet from her door, its window down. Tone was not looking very happy behind the wheel. To me, he said, aim that somewhere else. What the fuck's wrong with you two? Becky kept her voice low but allowed herself to look over. You scared us. Tone checked his mirror to make sure the street was empty. Grab your shit and get out of there. What? I didn't have to hear his thoughts to know what that stare meant. Don't ask questions. Follow orders. That snapped Becky out of it. She told me, you worry about yourself and the guns. I'll get the rest. Taking care of myself wasn't as easy as I thought it'd be, my balance shaky on the street, making juggling the guns with one hand that much harder. The van's side doors slid back, revealing dull gray paneling and a wooden futon with a blue cushion. Get in. Becky slid in the biggest box and helped me inside. I sat on the futon and leaned back, my head resting against the paneling, my breath so shallow it scared me. Becky tossed in a few more bags at her sword. She sat beside me, Mello crying in his carrier on her lap. Should I lock it? Tone sounded tiny, a football field away. Toss the keys. Same with any electronics you got from the safe house. Becky obeyed with no hesitation. Dad would have been proud, the keys banging off Brendan's window and clanging to the street. She pulled Kevin's phone from my pocket and threw it out. The door slid shut, the lock engaged, and we sped off. Becky took my hand and squeezed. You okay? I couldn't even pretend I was remotely close to okay, my head feeling like it was wrapped tight in cotton. I need to lie down. She scooted over and helped me onto my back, placed my head on her lap. Deep breaths, Joe. You'll be okay. It felt like she was lying, but I concentrated on breathing, on not throwing up all over her. Tone said, Everything cool? My eyes were closed, and I couldn't tell if she was talking or thinking, my processing slow and scrambled. She sounded just as scared as I was. He's sweating real bad. Shit, I think he's bleeding. The sweat poured off me, and not just from my face like normal. I don't think the blood's mine, Tone said. He's probably in shock. Becky's voice was full of fear. What do I do? Turn his head if he's going to puke. You can use that blanket to cover him up. Tone said, his voice dimming, nearly drowned out by the rising thrum in my ears. I'll pull over as soon as we're out of this area. It'll be okay. By the age of six, I was used to Mom not showing to pick me up, and in first grade, it was no longer required. It wasn't snowing that day, but it was cold, both hands buried in my pockets. It was down to me and Steven, plus two other kids, when Steven's father pulled up, his mother in the back seat. Stephen was the only friend I'd had, but back then, I had no idea he was cursed like me. He said, I can ask them to take you home. I wanted to say yes, but I'd get my ass spanked red if Mom pulled up and I wasn't there. Thanks, but I better stay. Stephen got in the front seat, his little hand popping up quick for a wave goodbye. I didn't know how long I'd been waiting, but I knew it was safe to leave after the other two kids got picked up. It wasn't that far to walk and I'd done it a bunch, even had my own key. My imagination back then was all GI Joes and Star Wars and that shit went on hyperdrive when I was alone. Most days I was Han Solo or Luke, but this day I was Darth Vader, an invisible lightsaber in one hand, my other forming a C, ready to crush the next jerk to cross my path. I made my first turn and didn't even notice the cherry red van, until the driver shouted out the passenger window. Hey there, big guy. Your mom asked me to do her a favor and pick you up. It was hard to see much of him because of the angle, but he looked older than mom's type. Where is she? Said she had an emergency. Asked me to watch you until she got back. The guy was smiling and looked nice enough, and even if I wanted to read his mind, he was outside my six-foot radius, but still, I just stood there. He got out of his seat and undid the van's side door. Come on, it's freezing out here. I don't want your mom being pissed at me for letting you catch a cold. That should have been my clue. Mom never worried about me. But it was a nice thought, and he was still smiling, showing all his crooked teeth like he had nothing to hide. The back of the van was beautiful, and the carpet so soft I had to reach down and feel it. The long red fuzziness on frozen fingers. He pointed at the small TV behind the driver's seat and the console below it. Got a Super Nintendo in there, bunch of games. Hell, if you want, we could just play here until your mom gets back. He pointed at the raised bunk to my right. I just sit there and play. Super Mario's my favorite. Other kids talked about video games, but we didn't have any. Mom not about to waste money on stupid stuff. He bent over and pulled out a cartridge his giant butt just inches from my face. I squirmed away to the side and he went up front and rolled up the window. Too noisy out there, he said to himself. He held the bottom of the game cartridge to his lips and gently blew along its length. Nice and clean. I didn't say a word, just watched as he guided the game into the console and gave it a hard push. He sat beside me, handed me the gray controller with four purple buttons. All serious, he said, you gotta promise me something. I kept my eyes on the TV screen, the letters not meaning anything because I couldn't spell much. Sure thing. Don't break my high score. I laughed because I knew he was joking, the beeps and bloops from the game making me happy. I kept laughing when he put his arm around my shoulder, hugged me in like Dad never did. You seem like a good kid, he said leaving his hand on me as the tiny man on the screen jumped high in the air and landed on a turtle, knocked him on his shell, then scooped him up. You deserve this. This is a special treat, right? Heck yeah, it was. Not disappointing Mom, getting to go first on the game. Probably play as long as I wanted because Mom's emergencies could take forever. The tiny man threw the turtle shell and jumped over it when he rebounded off a block. My controller didn't make him do anything and I had no idea what to press. His warm hand wrapped around mine. Almost at a whisper, like he wanted me to really pay attention, he said, Here, better let me show you how to do it. He extended my pointer finger and used it to push down on the skinny button closest to the purple circles. To jump, you press this one, he said, taking my finger over to the bottom button. He released my hand and said, Can you do that? I showed him I could. Tone's voice ripped me from the dream. Him slapping my cheek, calling me a soldier, telling me to open my eyes. My face was wet, but I couldn't tell if it was my sweat or from Becky dabbing me with a dripping towel. Everything was wet, even my ass, a twisted thought that it might be blood. Tone's hand was heavy on my forehead. He rocked me back and forth. Joe, you got to wake up. I wanted to die felt like I was bound to, my heart so slow, my stomach aching, everything a blur. Becky said, what about one of his pills? She pulled the bottle from my pocket. It will kill the pain. He can't even swallow. What are those? She told him, and he asked when I'd last had one. Twenty minutes ago, if that. It was just one. Shit. Bring the bucket. I wanted to know what was happening, but couldn't even open my eyes. Someone pried open my mouth and jammed something into the back of my throat. I gagged and tried to move away, but it kept pressing until everything came rushing out, splashing back on my cheeks. The heavy hand patted my back. You got the bad shit out. You'll feel better soon.